While walking the streets of Seoul is a great way to find out what's trending in K-beauty, there's another fun way, and that is to attend one of the K-beauty expos held in Korea. This year, I checked out the Cosmo Beauty Expo, which was held at Coex in Gangnam, to see what's hot in K-beauty in 2021. Welcome to the Korean Beauty Show, where we're talking all things Korean skincare, makeup, and more. If you want to learn about the hottest trending products and ingredients straight from South Korea, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, we'll be diving in to take a look at the latest trends, as well as all the tips and tricks you need to perfect your K-beauty routine. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, professional K-beauty expert and founder of Korean beauty platform Style Story. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Style Story. Get free domestic shipping all month in July with the code PODCAST on stylestory.com.au. Guys, welcome back for another week. Uh, Recently, I attended the Cosmo Beauty Expo and I thought, you know what, why don't I just have a chat to you guys about what the expo was all about, what I saw, some of the trends coming through, uh, and I thought I'd wrap that up into this week's news headlines as well. So I'm just going to do all of that today. Um, I put my back out yesterday and I have just come back from the Honey One, which is the Korean uh doctor I guess that does like acupuncture and things like that so I am not feeling my best but I need to get this podcast out for you guys so if I sound like I do not have a lot of energy that is why I'm in quite a bit of pain but I've just had like the full course of treatment at the at the honey one so I've had um a thing where they obviously they put the um the needles in for the acupuncture and then they do like the electronic um you know, I don't even know what you call it, waves that go through on that to like treat the area. Uh, and then I had like um, warm compressors put on it and another thing called Puyong that they do. So I've had all of that. I've got to go back again. I am feeling really, really crap because my back hurts so much. So I'm really glad that this happened after the expo because I don't think I would have been able to like go around and look at everything properly if. I have been in this much pain. But anyway, (laughs) I digress. So obviously there are a couple of different expos that are held in Korea that are related to the industry, um, all things K-beauty. There's one going on at the moment actually that's for uh, ingredients. So for people that are like selecting the raw ingredients that they want in their cosmetics, that is an expo just for them. So Cosmo Beauty is not the main one. The main one I would say is the K-beauty expo, which is usually held I think in October. Cosmo Beauty is a smaller one uh, and it is usually held in Coex, which is right in the middle of Gangnam. Um, That is one of the many, I guess, expo centers that there are all over Korea. And this one was held over July the 2nd to the 4th. Um, Last year, the expos weren't held for obvious reasons. COVID, there was lots of restrictions. uh, And I 
was kind of a little bit sad to see how few people attended this one just because I know how much effort goes into, you know, getting a stall uh, or a booth rather, getting it all set up, and then to not have that many people come. Well, certainly on the day that I went, I went on a Saturday and it was just like bare, very bare. There were, were not that many people there. Certainly there were hardly any foreigners for obvious reasons that it's not that easy to get over to Korea at the moment. Uh, we've still got the two-week mandatory quarantine period for overseas arrivals unless they are like permanent or long-term residents of Korea so I think that probably is why there wasn't that many people so I think um, I saw a lot more uh, booths and things like that that were for domestic um, consumption I would say like there was a lots of um, equipment and things like that that people use uh, at their aestheticians, uh, lots of devices and stuff like that so that, you know, other Koreans who are in the industry, I guess, could get a feel for it. But having said that, I did notice a lot of themes, I guess you could say, coming through. And that's what you really pick up when you attend these kind of expos. You can sort of see what the ingredients are that people are working with, where the technology is sort of going. So some of the ones I'm going to talk to you about today were are hemp seed oil, uh, yuja or yuzu, as it's called, I think in English, kombucha, peptides, cell-based skincare, sun patches, vegan skincare, badger oil, and pink color cosmetics. Obviously, some of these are a little bit new. I don't think we've spoken about them before on the show, but others are a continuation of trends that I've seen in previous years. Obviously, the market for vegan and plant-based and cruelty-free products is picking up. Uh, And I also noticed this year that there seem to be a lot more options for sustainable packaging. Um, And I know we've spoken about that, that being a big focus for the industry. So bamboo in particular seems to be a popular choice there for sustainable packaging options. Hemp seed oil was the one that I was uh, probably the most surprised to see. Well, maybe second most surprised, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Hemp seed oil. So obviously CBD products and hemp-related products have been having a really big moment, certainly in the States. Uh, even in Australia, I've definitely seen a couple of brands that are working with um, that as their key ingredient. Uh, but Korea has really, really, really strict drug laws. Uh, and marijuana, and, you know, I guess in, in Australia we call it pot, smoking pot, is like a really hideous crime here in the eyes of most people. Most Koreans see pot smoking as on the same level as like heroin and cocaine. Like, it's just bad. All drugs are bad. If you ask like the average person on the street what they think they're just like I don't know but it's illegal and you know you can become a drug addict so that's just bad and it's better to just not do drugs whereas I think in foreign in western countries certainly there seems to be more of a nuanced approach like this category of drugs is really bad this category of drugs is not so bad and then there's at the bottom probably things like you know smoking alcohol marijuana but for whatever reason marijuana is really um frowned upon 
celebrities have had their careers basically ended because they were caught like smoking. Uh, so it's still quite a big deal. So I think that's why I was surprised to see hemp seed oil. Now, obviously, I know that hemp seed oil and marijuana are not exactly the same thing. So the difference is that they're using the non-addictive part of it. So they do, it doesn't contain THC, which is that key chemical. So what happened was that back in 2018, in November, Korea's Narcotics Control Act was amended to make the use of medical um, marijuana or cannabis legal. So the law apparently currently does allow the importation of CBD materials as long as they don't contain THC. So I think it'll be really interesting to see if the crop of new brands that are, you know, selling hemp seed products will make waves. I, because I was so surprised to see this, I actually jumped on the internet to sort of have a look at it. And last year, Colmar did announce its intention to start um, applying CBD to cosmetic manufacturing or supplying rather cosmetic manufacturing companies in Korea. So obviously there is some interest in the industry. Um, so yeah, watch this space. That's a really interesting one, I thought. Uh, so that was the first one. Now the second one, uh, Yuja, I know we've spoken about this before. I saw some more products that I hadn't seen before um, that contain Yuja. Obviously, this is one of the substitutes for um, pure vitamin C that you'll often see for brightening, and that's because yuja is naturally packed full of vitamin C, so it is still good for people suffering from dull skin, uh, post-acne marks, dark spots, and things like that. It contains three times more vitamin C than lemon, so it's also a really good antioxidant to fight against free radicals, which, as we know, are one of the causes of premature aging. So I think Yuja, you can pretty much guarantee is going to continue to be hot in K-beauty. Um, some really beautiful looking products containing Yuja. So I think this one's going to stick around. Kombucha is a new one. I, I Obviously it's uh, a probiotic. So that, that's been really popular in K-beauty for the last few years. But kombucha itself, I think I've seen more overseas than I have in Korea. Uh, so kombucha, why are we using it in skincare is because it contains the probiotic lactobacillus, which can help calm in irritated skin. But interestingly, the range that I saw it in was actually using the kombucha as an exfoliator. Um, and it does have a lactic acid bacteria in it, which I am assuming is the basis that they were using for their claims about the exfoliating benefits of kombucha um, to lightly exfoliate, brighten the skin and improve the look of fine lines and spots. In general, probiotics in skincare work with the skin to promote good bacteria and balance the microbiome. So you'll usually find them in barrier repair and strengthening formulations to protect the skin from environmental stresses. So I think I might do an episode in a little while about probiotics specifically, just because that seems to be um, a common one that keeps coming up. So tune in for that make sure that you hit follow on your podcast app so that you're around for that one when it drops if that's something that you're interested in now i also found a new review for the podcast so i will read that out it says i love that this podcast focuses specifically on korean beauty as a westerner living in korea lauren does a great job keeping us all abreast of the latest trends in korea 
while still making K-beauty accessible to newbies and Westerners who may not understand all of the nuances just yet. This is a great podcast if you're new to K-beauty or are a skincare pro who just wants perspective directly from the streets of Seoul. Thank you, Lauren. I hope you keep the podcast up and maybe add an interview or two in once in a while. Thank you so much for your review. Guys, that was my original plan too, was actually to have interviews. Uh, If you rewind all the way back to to the earlier episodes in the intro, I actually mentioned that that's what I wanted to do. And I ran into a pretty big roadblock with that straight off the bat, which is there just aren't that many people uh, that are willing to speak English on a podcast in sort of a long format. Um, People tend to underestimate their English speaking abilities and they feel like very embarrassed of speaking English uh, a lot of the time. So to try and find people from the brands that are confident enough in their English to do like a longer form podcast has just been a little bit uh, of a challenge for me. So I kind of had to give up on that. Um, If you guys know anyone like that, please let me know, obviously. Um, yeah, that is the biggest, the, the biggest problem with a K-beauty focused podcast, um, is that obviously because I'm not doing this in Korean and if I were to conduct the interview in Korean, I just don't know how that would work. Then I'd be like just talking it over or getting someone else to, I guess, stand in for what the person said and translating it, which is just a little bit clunky. So I haven't worked out a great way to do that yet, but yes, thank you so much for your review and your feedback and if I can possibly add in an interview I would love to do that one day as well um the next okay so the next bunch of ingredients I've got a couple more to go through peptides I did see bunch of peptides obviously they're not new to k-beauty but it seems that they are still very popular uh what are they uh they're naturally occurring in the body they're what keep our skin looking firm and full of elasticity and they also send biological signals to the rest of our body to encourage the production of more collagen if needed so for example if you are healing from a physical injury Um, and with regular use external peptides can do things like smooth the appearance of wrinkles they can boost firmness they can rehydrate your skin and minimize discoloration obviously depending on you know the kind of peptides that the company is using and the kinds of claims that they're making about them they're either going to be classified as a drug or just a regular cosmetic um we have on the star story website regular cosmetics we have dialba's peptide no sebum repair cream which is a really popular uh, product some people think it's a good dupe for drunk elephants proteiny polypeptide cream so keep an eye out for that one and also april b has their egf essence as well so uh peptides again looks like they're going to be around for the long haul the other thing i noticed was cell skincare so the korean beauty industry has spent a lot of time and money researching functional cosmetics containing stem cells including human stem cells which i must say when i first found out about that i was a little bit like what (laughs) but one study from the korean national institute for bioethics policy found that research patients showed significant differences among their moisture levels on the u-zone in melanin in cheek redness and the overall size and depth of eye wrinkles and skin roughness when using stem cells so there's a lot of promising data 
out there about what stem cells can actually do. There's a whole lot of regulation around them, obviously. So the products I saw at the expo actually contained nucleic acid from Alaskan salmon. Uh, and that is to promote cell growth and reproduce damaged skin by biosynthesizing collagen in the dermal tissue. So those kind of claims, as we've spoken about before, fall solidly into the area of functional cosmetics, which are the kinds of things that are regulated by the uh, TGA in Australia and the FDA in the States. So you're going to be unlikely to see them on just regular cosmetic store shelves for that reason. But that is an interesting area. Um, And I'm keen to see what happens um, in the industry with this kind of technology because it sounds really, really promising. I'm sure that there's a lot more, you know, research and work that needs to go into it, but this is one that uh, people are actively working on on the ground here. So keep an eye out for cell skincare and cell-based cosmetics coming up as well. Now, one product that I shared on my Instagram when I was at the expo was these new sun patches, and people were very interested in these. They're basically, if I could describe it, um, a little patch similar to the like the hydrogel eye patches that you wear, but they specifically are created in the shape of like your cheek. Um, so, you know, the areas where you would normally get like melasma or pigmentation tend to be right along that cheekbone. They're patches that fit that area and they're for people, they're specifically designed for people that spend a lot of time outdoors doing sports. Uh, golf in particular is so popular in Korea, um, horse riding and things like that. Uh, and the ones that I looked at, they said that they not only block both UVA and UVB rays, but they also contain ingredients to treat and improve the skin as well. So it's kind of like two for one bang for your buck that you're treating and protecting. So the different brands, I went and jumped online afterwards because it's the first time I've seen these in person um, to have a look what else is out there. So different brands that are making these sun patches have different ingredients in them, but some have things like kakadu plum, which is an Aussie ingredient that is great for brightening as well. Uh, and they did mainly seem to be made of hydrogel. I know one of the questions I had on Instagram when I sh- uh, shared this the photo of them was, you know, are, are they going to be like really hot and sweaty? So apparently they're good for people that sweat as well. That's what the brand says. And they come in different shades, which I thought was super cool. So they match, some of them match the typical Korean BB cream shades. So 21, 22 and 23. Um, look, they're not the most low key looking things, but I do think if you were the kind of person that was spending a lot of time out in the sun, uh, that that would probably be a good thing to try. They're a little on the exy side, expensive side. Um, I spoke to a couple of friends whose parents use them when they're out golfing and they basically said, look, if you're going to be out all day, it's worth it. If you're only going to be out for a few hours, they're probably not worth it because it's just a little bit too expensive. So sun patches, guys. I'm not sure if this is going to become a big thing or not, but they were a pretty nifty little uh, thing that I haven't seen before. Vegan skincare, obviously, we have previously spoken about vegan skincare. If you are interested in K-Beauty vegan skincare, go back to episode 44. Um, I did notice that a lot of the brands at this year's expo were claiming vegan certifications and they were also claiming cruelty-free certifications. Vegan products, of course, are those that exclude animal-based ingredients or derivatives, so things like egg, milk, uh, 
uh, snail extract, bee byproducts, pearl, lanolin, and animal oils. Um, one vegan brand that is really trending at the moment that you guys might like to try out is One Thing. So they have a lot, uh, a range of, um, I would say, single ingredient products where they're really focusing on having a high concentration of one, usually plant-based ingredient. So check out One Thing. Um, they will be landing at Style Story soon as well, um, but they are quite popular here and trending. So that is one to look out for if you are keen to try some vegan skincare. Now, on the opposite end of the scale was another ingredient that I was kind of surprised to see, and that was badger oil. So there was a company there that was specializing in cosmetics that had badger oil in them. So badger oil itself has a very long history in Korea. It's actually mentioned in a really old book, um, the Dongi Borgam, which is tra- roughly translates to principles and practice of Eastern medicine. So it was originally a folk remedy and it was famed for relieving dryness thanks to its moisturizing properties. Uh, and that's because it has a really large amount of unsaturated fatty acids, approximately 70 to 80%. So badger oil can help control oil secretions. Apparently it improves circulation and can also assist in skin uh, regeneration as well. Uh, it's similar to other rendered fats from animals. So things like emu and crocodile oil. Obviously, this is not cruelty-free. This is not vegan either. Um, So, yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see that just because I feel like the industry is really moving in the other direction with stuff like this. I mean, I know a lot of the time when they're talking about these kind of animal oils, for example, crocodile oil. Well, crocodiles are killed for their meat in Australia, so I assume that people that are using crocodile oil in their skincare are just using, you know, parts of the animal that has been killed anyway. So on the one hand, I guess if the animal had to die, we should use as much as we can so that its death is not in vain. But obviously, you know, cruelty-free is really the way the industry is moving. So I was a little bit surprised to see this. But it's actually in products that you might not realize anyway. Badger oil is actually in quite a few of the Tosawung products, including their really popular enzyme powder wash. So it's not an ingredient that I haven't seen before. I think I, it was probably just the most surprising one because I was like, hmm, okay, they're doing something quite different there than where I've seen the industry trending. But again, this is uh, this has a very long history in Korea. So, you know, I think when I had a look at where they're targeting the products um, and who they're already selling to, it was a lot of other um, countries that probably have similar traditions to that um, with Eastern medicine. So I think China was a big market for them. Vietnam was a big market. Uh, so obviously, you know, depending on the market, they have, um, you know, different um, preferences and practices and things like that. So that was just an interesting one that I saw. The other one, the last one that I noticed, so color cosmetics, very, very few of those in general, which I think is probably in line with what I've been seeing, particularly over the course of the pandemic. A lot less people are wearing makeup for obvious reasons. 
you know, we're all wearing masks, so there's not much point in creating a masterpiece only to put a mask on top of it. So there were very few colour cosmetics, uh, and the brands that I did see that were exhibiting had pink palettes um, with, with the glitters and very muted hues. Uh, so I guess I think that's probably in line with what I've seen uh, in terms of the general decrease in people buying colour cosmetics. Um, there were fewer people exhibiting. So they were just some of the many things that I just sort of noticed as I was walking around. I started making a little list of things that I could, you know, chat to you guys about what I was seeing on the ground. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these, you know, really take off and become a bigger trend or whether it was just, you know, a little blip maybe and it doesn't really take off. You, you usually start to see over a couple of um, expos so rather than just one if you if I see the same thing popping up at a few expos in a row and then you know on the streets you can usually tell that that's going to be a pretty consistent trend uh, and that's certainly been the way that um cruelty free and vegan and things like that are trending and with all of the the packaging becoming more sustainable or you know more options I guess for, for eco-friendly um packaging so that is Pretty much everything that I think I saw, um, <laughs> which actually sounds like a lot. Uh, I was there for a couple of hours. So yeah, that was what I saw. Um, and now I'm going to go and rest my back, which is really quite sore. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I haven't had as much energy today as I have in past days, guys. This is a little bit of a struggle street for me today. So I will leave it there. Um, if any of these trends sounded interesting to you or you, you know, want to keep chatting about it, do come and find me on the gram. I am at lauren.kbeauty. Always up for a chat and always keen to hear what you guys are thinking. Until next time, I will see you on Style Story. 